So it is getting more and more difficult to speak into the silence. It's really profound. So it's more likely, since that is the case, that my voice will kind of drop. So please let me know if you can't hear. And I'll adjust the, adjust the volume. So we've started, um, we've started exploring the, what we're calling the ways of looking or insight practices um, together. And it sounds like, just from kind of listening to you in the interviews and in the groups, you know, that there are kind of already moments when people are experiencing some moments of some kind of release or beauty um, or of possibility yeah, in the meeting with experience. And I'd like to, to talk a little bit more about that and to explore a little bit more with you what... Um, kind of what happens with these practices, yeah? What is the impact? What are they actually, what is actually happening? And I'm including in this, you know, I may kind of just say, oh, Anicca, Vedana, Metta, you know, but I'm including all of them in, in this when I speak about ways of looking or insight practices. And so I'd like to explore more what the impact is on us, on our heart and mind, and also what that impact points to. Yeah. So it's that kind of continuing to just kind of see the, that dependent arising nature of things. You know, so things leading, these circles leading into each other and leading us um, kind of deeper and deeper into our lives, actually. You know, it's a beautiful thing about the practice. It's not taking us somewhere else. It's just taking us more fully into life, into our life, into who we are and what we are and what life is. And that's part of why it's such a, such a thing that connects us. So if we use the, the language that we've been using here over the days, um, so all these practices yeah, that we've been doing, they release the craving and clinging. Yeah, release the craving and clinging, the tanha. Nathan was using the Pali a lot. Yeah, or what we sometimes call, I don't think we've called it that on this retreat yet, sometimes call it the push-pull. It's a terminology that comes, I think it comes from Rob, doesn't it? From Rob Obea, this wonderful teacher. Was, I think the first teacher to teach retreats with Naroda, I think. I'm not sure, more than 10 years ago. Anyway. So they all, all these practices release the tana and they release the contraction. And they kind of, my image, that, the image that comes to me always is like they e- kind of ease us open. Yeah, they help us open. They open up perspective. Yeah, 
themselves. They open up the being, not just the body, but the being. And they open up the perspective, the view, the vista. And I think here in Finland, you're very fortunate. You have a lot of really big views. Don't you? Like just here, just the, the lake, you know, it's a big view. You might be used to it, so you might not be thinking in that way. But it's like that, that opening out, yeah. And this kind of opening, loosening, widening of the view um, and the loosening of contraction feels good, doesn't it? Yeah, it feels good, even if it's just, you know, real little moments. Yeah, it feels good. So I'd like to kind of look more at what's going on there. So we've, we've been encouraging you, and I kind of want to emphasize this more now, as you practice um, and you explore the different practices or the different flavors in a practice, yeah. we've encouraged you to pay attention to what the effect is or what, how you feel yeah, with a certain practice. And to check in if there's a response yeah, in the heart, mind, or body yeah, to the practice. Sense of maybe more space, more <coughs> ease. Um, or if the Vedana is changing. Yeah, that's another way to notice that. Yeah, the effect. And this is really helpful because we're learning. Yeah, we're learning what is helpful for us. Yeah, help, we're learning what works for us and in what way. As part of the insight is to kind of try out things and then see what effect does this have. Yeah, so then we kind of, we learn to apply things, become more and more creative in our practice. And so we're kind of doing this through the tuning into this lessening of contraction and more sense of ease. Yeah, and it can be very minor. Yeah, we're not talking about necessarily like you know, states of bliss. <laughs> if they come, that's great. But it's not, we're not necessarily kind of looking for the, the drama. Yeah. It's great if that comes, but it can be just a little thing, you know, and so many of you have kind of shared these moments. You know, just saying, ah, that kind of difficult thing still there, but suddenly it's not such a big deal. Yeah. It's not such a big deal because there's somehow this space. So this sense of loosening um, of the contraction, of the opening, it can be on a, on a physical level. Yeah, We can maybe feel it in the body. Or we can feel it in what we call the energy body. So more, more kind of on the heart, mind, awareness sense. Yeah, it can be physical sensations or it can be something that's not quite physical, but we're still experiencing it through the body. So a few things to kind of notice with this. I'm just drawing, I'm going to draw some things out again, like I think I did it last time. Just kind of draw some things and put them out there. So we kind of start seeing, you know, this is here, maybe, maybe it's useful. So one thing that, that we might notice is that there's a relationship 
between how solid and kind of loud the sense of self is. Yeah, Nathan would say yesterday, the I, me, and mine. How solid, strong, um, loud that is. And how contracted and tense or relaxed and open the body is. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, I don't know if, we, if we've given this example already, but, you know, that experience, you know, when you have experience of, maybe even Nathan said it yesterday. I apologize if he said it yesterday and I'm going to repeat it. Um, it's his fault, not mine. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry. Um, That experience, say, of feeling um, a lot of anger, yeah? And then what happens to the body space, yeah? If we're very angry and there's a, or, or righteous, you know, I'm right and, you know, they're wrong and I did this and they did this and, you know, I need to go and tell them, you know, what happens to the body and what happens to the space, yeah? It becomes very, very kind of small and narrow and contracted. And if we really relax the body and open the body, it's really hard to be angry. <laughs> Something we can try, but you know, it's like you really relax the body. Really relax the body. Really difficult to kind of generate kind of some righteousness. Or some I, me, and mine. So it's a very interesting relationship yeah, for us to start noticing. And the other thing that's interesting there is that spectrum of the sense of self. You know, we, have, we, we live our lives, no matter how many years we've been alive, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70. I don't think anyone is old. I don't even think we've got 70 here. But anyway, we live our lives with that sense of I and me and mine. Yeah, so strong as if it's something really permanent and solid. And yet when we start looking at experience, we see that it moves along a spectrum. Yeah, when there's a sense of ease and calmness in the being, then that sense of self is, is quite low. Yeah, it's quiet. And when there's tension, agitation, yeah, aversion, desire, you know, something goes up in volume, yeah, there's contraction. So just seeing, ah, it's a spectrum. Yeah, it's not all the t- it's not the same all the time. It's a spectrum. It moves. It changes. And kind of the more clearly and the more often we can see that there's a spectrum, the more um, easily, confidently, and gracefully we can move along that spectrum. Yeah, I always get an image of. I don't know why. I tried, I tried once to explain this in a Dharma talk, and I told myself I wouldn't use this image, but it's coming again, so I'm going to try it on you guys, and let's see if it works this time. I always get an image of like the way tennis players slide across a court when they're really good, you know, and they're playing, you know, like kind of slide from one side to the other. And actually, we can do that with that grace, with a sense of self. Yeah. So we notice... And then the more we, we are familiar with that movement, yeah, the more gracefully we can just whoosh, 
let go. Yeah. Slide down the scale. So these these practices with the decrease in the tana in the craving, with the decrease in the contraction, with the kind of decrease, um, they bring this decrease of, of in the self-importance. Yeah. And also a decrease in the sense of separation. Don't know if you've been noticing that. Yeah. When there's less kind of self-concern. There's less sense of separation from life, from others. And that feels good. Yeah, when it's not just kind of constantly this story of me and mine, it feels good to us and it feels good to those who are around us. And, you know, I love this. Um, quote from Joseph Goldstein um, who one of the senior teachers in our tradition and um, he was asked in an interview once um, you know after decades and decades of of very very devoted and dedicated practice um, kind of what I can't remember what the wording of the question was but kind of what was the fruit of the practice, what was the achievement, or kind of what was the thing he was, you know, the greatest thing he'd achieved. And in a very Joseph <laughs> style, he kind of said, got a very particular way of speaking, he said, um, well, I find that I take myself less seriously. <laughs> <laughs> and people around me really appreciate that. Yeah. So, you know, just that. It seems like so simple, and yet, wow. Yeah, the freedom, the release that comes when we can just kind of see that movement and have more confidence and more capacity to just play with it. It becomes more natural. Just take myself less seriously. (laughs) And kind of what, how that affects our own well-being and the well-being of, of those who come into contact with us. Yeah, if we think of all the conflict in the world, from the most minor ones to the, you know, the worst ones, what would happen if we took ourselves less seriously in that? Loosen that sense of separation. So this, this kind of one-liner of, of Joseph Goldstein, you know, it points to a few really, um, really important and helpful things to, to look at, to see. One, and I know we've said that, but we'll just keep saying it. <laughs> One is that what we perceive and how we um, experience life is impacted by the mind. Yeah. Yeah. So the work with the mind, the meditation practice, I take myself less seriously as a result. And the less seriously I take myself, 
than what useful life is going to be, and that feeds taking myself even less seriously. Yeah. So once that's kind of in there, and it keeps flowing. And when we say mind, I don't know if we've said this already, we're, we're referring the Pali word is citta, which means heart mind. Yeah, so it's not just mental, the mental life, it's also the emotional life. So it's like that whole mental, emotional life. And what we experience and how we experience it depends, amongst other things, on the state of the citta and the state of the heart-mind. So if the citta is calm and spacious, things are less sticky and problematic. If the citta um, is confused or agitated, then um, things become more sticky and more problematic. So it's kind of, we can start seeing the relationship. Remember, I kind of said something very similar about the body a little while ago. There's a relationship between the body, the heart-mind, and how we experience life. The second kind of thing that this one liner of Joseph, I think, points to really beautifully is it points to the pliability and flexibility of the mind, yeah? That the mind is not fixed. This human mind, human brain, yeah? It's not set in stone. It's something that is changeable. Yeah, I mean, we all know that, right? (laughs) We've learnt things in our lives, yeah? from, you know, walking and talking to all kinds of particular skills and all kinds of habits, you know, they've all been learnt, yeah, and they're all in, in the brain, yeah, pathways in the brain. And through practice, we can do two things, yeah, one is we can increase that flexibility of the mind, is this clear? Like the words here are important. Flexibility, yeah? And pliability, does pliability make sense? Um, yeah, it's like when you can bend something or change its shape. I always, it's, it's, or, or we could say plasticity is another word we could use. It's like plasticine, like Play-Doh. You know, we can, we can change it, we can work with it. So through practice we can both make it more, yeah, more flexible, more workable, yeah, the mind. It's something that happens with practice. You know, we talked about it as like increasing our choices and our possibilities. And we can also cultivate and nourish particular ways of looking, particular citta states that lead to increased well-being to ourselves and others, like taking ourselves less seriously. <laughs> yeah, we can... We can kind of support that to grow, to become um, somewhere that the mind naturally goes to more readily. I always have this image of, of our minds as um, um, like this thing that, you know, how when you look at, um, at the way water shapes the earth, yeah, so like I grew up in Israel, there's a lot of deserts, there's a lot of dry rivers. Yeah, so you can see it really clearly, it's really amazing. You know, you think, oh, the water only goes through here. 
maybe once every few years. <laughs> yeah, and yet over time it's made these, you know, fantastic, like gorgeous, amazing natural things, you know, really deep, deep, deep riverbeds with all kinds of rock formations and wonders. <laughs> yeah. So I always think like that's that's the mind, you know, it's like it's this thing and the water always takes the easiest route, right? And the easiest route is the route that's used more often. <laughs> yeah, so that's our habit. So we have like I have this image, sorry, I'm taking you into my brain all the time today. So we have this image of like we have all these grooves in our in our brain, in our mind, which are the habits, which are the ways we normally um, respond to life. And through practice, yeah, we're given more choice. Yeah. So instead of it just going in the habitual way, the way it's always done, we can start making new riverbeds. Yeah. According to our aspirations, according to what we feel um, is precious to us, the way we want to live our life, and what really brings well-being. Yeah. What what increases our well-being? What is good for us? So again, the more aware we are of the habits of our mind, yeah, and the more aware we are of the chitta states or the ways of looking that we habitually go into, yeah, the more sensitive we are, the more possibility we have to attend wisely. So, for example, if I know that I'm tired, yeah, it's a very physical thing, I know that I'm tired, then I know that I'm more likely to um, get irritated, yeah, more likely to get aversive. And I can then, yeah, first of all, be more aware of that, catch it earlier so it doesn't escalate. Yeah, that's one thing I can do. And the other, I can intentionally then incline the mind to um, other ways of looking that I've cultivated, yeah, or that I know are useful and helpful, like patience. <laughs> yeah, I can choose patience to a degree. It's always to a degree. I can choose kindness. I have a friend who... Um, sometimes suffers from episodes of, you know, relatively mild depression, but depression. And she told me um, once that when, if she notices that the depression is starting, yeah, and she catches it early, the best thing that she's realized she can do is to go and do something for somebody else, yeah? Like, so generosity then shifts her out of that downward spiral into the depression. And so this is kind of, it's, it's an example of this. Yeah? And it might not be what works for you, it's what works for her. But just seeing that, ah, you know, and then of course, the more she does that, the more she sees the effect. Yeah? And then the more quickly she remembers, ah, she recognizes this, the symptoms, and then she can act. And it can be very small things, yeah. It doesn't need to be some big gesture. But just doing something for somebody else. 
So a big part of our practice is, is kind of what we call cultivation. And I think I spoke at some point, maybe it was yesterday morning, about two threads of practice, the, the samatha, the calming and gathering, which we've been doing more with the breath and also with the metta. And then the insight practices is another thread. Yeah. And they all intertwine. Yeah. So there's a third thread in practice, which is called um, cultivation. It's like nourishing, supporting um, attitudes and qualities and ways of looking that nourish us, you know, and it sounds like, oh, you might be thinking, oh no, they're going to bring in a whole new set of things, you know, mine is already full, but the good news is, you know, you've already been doing them, (laughs) you know, so the cultivation practices like metta is also a cultivation practice, Um, inclining the mind, you know, to patience, to um, generosity, it's really touched this morning, I think for the first time on this retreat, I was around in the kitchen and dining room during the, the work period in the morning. And I was just like, oh my goodness. You know, just this hive of activity <laughs> of everyone kind of going around doing... I know not everyone. I know some people have their work period at other times or elsewhere. But so many people just doing their little bit, you know, and that's a cultivation of generosity and you're probably not even aware of. You know, doing all these things so that we can all be here together. Yeah? In this way. So this this thread of cultivation, which is something that um, includes everything we do. Yeah? So things like patience, kindness, metta, um, generosity, gratitude, joy compassion, you know, there's loads and loads and loads of these nourishing, helpful qualities that we're cultivating, we're nourishing through the practice. And I want to look a little bit more at the metta practice here, um, just as, um, or the metta attitude, I'll correct myself, Um, just as a way of kind of looking a little bit more even at the cultivation and the ways of looking. And I think Nathan did this earlier, but just to highlight it again, when we speak about metta, um, it's not necessarily the formal metta practice. Like uh, I said yesterday when we introduced the, the formal metta practice, not everyone resonates with it or relates to it, and it's fine if you don't. Um, But when we're talking about metta as a cultivation or as a way of looking, um, we're talking about it as an attitude, yeah? And that attitude is is inbuilt in all the practice that we do, yeah? It gets nourished in, in the giving of attention, yeah? So whatever particular method you're using at any time, in that giving of the attention, there is metta. And just that attitude that we then nourish of welcoming, of friendliness, um, of openness. And for most of us, for at least some of the time, if not all of the time, when we connect to that attitude, it feels good. Right? Not sure? (laughs) Not a bit more if you think I'm right, just so I get a sense where you are. Okay, so for some of us, 
this attitude. And again, we're not talking about the, the formal practice with the phrases necessarily. Yeah? But just an attitude of friendliness, of openness towards experience, towards ourselves, towards life. And when I say it feels good, I don't mean that it feels good necessarily as opposite to bad, but rather it feels good as in good for us. Yeah? So it's like a healthy, it feels healthy for us. It's as if we're kind of tuning in to a frequency yeah, that's beneficial. Yeah, a frequency that's, that's there. I think a lot of you have been reporting that. It doesn't feel like necessarily something other than what we've already been doing, but it's just like suddenly tuning into it like a radio <laughs> yeah, that suddenly hits the right channel. And we can connect to it. And that beneficial... Um, Frequency, that healthy frequency, is really about that sense of care, yeah, that sense of friendliness, that sense of welcoming and opening to the world. And through the practice, through our meditation practice, through being here, one thing that happens over time, you know, may not be happening yet, but maybe it is and probably you're not noticing it yet, that that sense of care, that sense of caring expands. Yeah, it expands from, you know, just those who are close to me or known to me to more, to wider and wider circles. And that is what feels good. (laughs) That's what feels healthy. And it's a real human need, actually. Like, we have a human need that's about caring for others. And I remember reading about an experiment, um, and I think they've done loads of these now. This was years and years ago when I was a student at university. Um, they did an experiment with um, older people in, in, uh, in, uh, you know, in sheltered accommodation or, or homes who were li- living in quite an isolated way. And um, they gave them the responsibility to look after a plant in a pot. Yeah? So just, you know, probably not even anything as grandiose as this, but just something quite small and kind of everyday plant in a pot. And they told people, you know, can you please look after this? You know, I don't know how exactly they framed it, but it was like giving them the, the, you know, asking them to take responsibility. And what they noticed was a very clear increase in the physical and the mental well-being, yeah? So both the health improved, the physical health improved, and the happiness improved. From just that having something to care for, yeah? Something to look after. Yeah, so it's a human need that we have. And, you know, again, this is... um, Such an example again of, of our dependent nature. Yeah, we don't exist separately, actually. Yeah. We have that need 
to care for others and to be cared for. Yeah. It's a human need for most of us. One of our friends talks about metta in a, in a very unique way. I've never heard anybody else say it this way, but I really love it. I'll try and do him justice. He says that, um, that for most of us, if not all of us, one of the, the, the most basic things we want in life is to be loved, yeah? to feel love. And we forget that when we feel love in the strongest way is often when we feel love for others. Yeah. So it's kind of we, we want love, we, we need love, we want love, and we're kind of going around looking for it. And actually when we feel love for others, we feel love. Yeah, we feel love. And so the meta way of looking is really about also that. Yeah. It's not just that. Yeah, it's not that we need to give up on also receiving love. But it connects us to the cycle. Yeah. The cycle, the movement in there. Tuning in to that frequency, yeah, or plugging in to that network, yeah, of of care that we we are part of, yeah, all of us, and then prioritizing that and bringing that, you know, really big part of our cultivation here in the practice. So we've been starting to mention, mostly in one-to-ones, maybe in some of the groups, that we can bring this meta attitude also to things like um, physical sensations, yeah, in the body. So there might be, you know, an uncomfortable sensation or a painful sensation. And we can actually bring that attitude of goodwill, friendliness, of welcoming to that sensation. The good and bad news is you can't do it as a deal. (laughs) You can't kind of say, okay, I'll I'll welcome you (laughs) so that you go away. Which, you know, we tend to do. And it's part of the learning. And but we can kind of bring that intention yeah, and start playing with that also, directing that welcoming attitude. And the interesting thing is that when we do this, it changes the relationship, yeah, because typically the relationship is aversion, it's pushing away. changes the relationship we're opening to, we're even welcoming or accepting. 
And as the relationship changes, the experience changes. Yeah. So sometimes the same sensations are still there, but suddenly they're not such a big deal. Sometimes the sensations themselves change. Just in that change of attitude. And that's pretty wild. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty wild. So let's break that down a little bit, the process, using the language that we've been using here. So there's an unpleasant sensation in the body. Yeah, it can be a, anything from, you know, like we said, tickle, itch, tension. That, pleasant sens- that unpleasant sensation will have a Vedana. We all know what the Vedana will be, right? <laughs> Initially, it will be unpleasant. That Vedana, if we're not kind of really holding that process, that Vedana will escalate and become tana, it will become craving. Yeah, that push-pull, the pushing away of the experience or the kind of getting caught up in the wish for something else, yeah, daydreaming about something else. Sometimes, I think Sharon Salzberg, another one of the senior teachers in our tradition, she, she kind of is very honest about her years of practice and she tells all these stories about her first years of practice when she would sit um, in intense pain <laughs> and just be kind of caught up all the time in plans and fantasies of like how much yoga she would do and how she would kind of really become this very flexible person and then she could sit without pain and then her meditation would go really well and then and then and then and then, and then. yeah so that's another you know that's like the aversion to the to the pain becomes a desire for something else like Nathan was speaking about yesterday so unpleasant vedana escalates into a craving a push pull and then with the craving arises a contraction yeah, in the mind and the body. And with the contraction arises the dukkha. Okay, so that's kind of the process yeah, that we've kind of touched on a few times and we keep needing to come back to in our practice to keep looking at it. The more clinging there is, yeah, the more aversion or grasping for something there is, the more contraction there is and the more dukkha there is. They all arise together. And with them arises the sense of self. Yeah? It becomes my pain. Yeah? My issue. Yeah? My body. Yeah? Which is all fine. Yeah? It's not wrong. But the more um, dense that sense of self is, the more strong, the more loud that sense of self is, the more dukkha there will be. Yeah? Because these things don't work just in one cycle. Yeah? So if there's more sense of self, there'll be more contraction. And if there's more contraction, that arises with more dukkha and craving. Yeah? So they all continuously feed each other and arise together. 
Does that sound depressing? <laughs> it's not. It sounds depressing maybe, but it's not. Because when we change the relationship, yeah, we change any one of those, it affects all of the others. Yeah. So when we change the relationship in this example, when we bring what, we're call- what I'm calling a meta way of looking, yeah, so we're welcoming the experience, or we're opening to it, or we're allowing it, or we're sending metta to it. Yeah. So we're changing the relationship, and so the, the, the contraction and the clinging go down. And with the contraction and the clinging that go down, the dukkha goes down, and the sense of self goes down. Yeah. So they all kind of fluctuate together. And the same thing, you know, if we're looking at the Vedana as our practice, yeah, and we're noticing the unpleasant Vedana, and that gives us some space. So you see what I'm doing with my hands? It gives some space, it relaxes the contraction. Relaxes the contraction, reduces the craving, reduces the dukkha, reduces the sense of self. Yeah, and then that creates a different kind of cycle. And the more we notice that, yeah, the more we notice that, the more likely we are to do it again, the deeper our understanding of the cycle. So sometimes, you know, this can even lead to the sensation itself, you know, the pain disappearing completely or moving. Yeah. And that really kind of, um, like that's a real insight into the nature of things. Yeah. Real insight in the nature of things that the dukkha is not inherent. That's a hard word. Another word for inherent? Native English speaker, non-native English speaker. Yes. Inherent, another word? Um, Always there with it. Yeah, great. It's not always there with it. Yeah. So the dukkha is not in the experience. Yeah. It arises as part of a set of conditions. And the relationship to the experience is part of these conditions. Yeah, part of the conditions. And we can work with that relationship. Yeah. It does not mean, a few important things here, it doesn't mean that it becomes you know, my responsibility. So anything that is, not, um, that is difficult in my life is my fault. Yeah, that's not what it means. Yeah. It just means that we have some possibility, yeah, and we can slowly work with the conditions in our lives, yeah, to to kind of and learn to do this more and more. It becomes more and more natural. Feel the contraction. Know the ways to relax it. Yeah. Feel the contraction. Know the ways to relax it. Learning to do that. It also doesn't mean that the pain we experience is not real. This is also really important. You know, I want to kind of make all these points um, 
You know, it doesn't mean that the pain that I'm experiencing is something I'm imagining, yeah, or creating. It just means that it's not real in the way that we habitually take it to be, yeah? Meaning, we take it to be solid, permanent, fixed, yeah, and separate. That's the pain, that's me got nothing to do with each other yeah that's habitually the way that's the way we're conditioned to view things so it's not that the pain isn't real it's really important it's that it's not real in the way that we take it to be so we need to kind of reprogram ourselves <laughs> yeah to look at it differently it's not independent of our minds and our attitudes. So maybe I'll just give another, another scientific fact here, which is very interesting around pain research. Um, so they've found with research about, about physical pain that what actually happens in the body and the mind is that you know there's a ten- there's a, a pain in the body you know which can be you know from uh, some trauma to the body you know it got hit it got strained whatever and then the body tenses around that yeah it's a it's a it's a instinctual thing that the body does it kind of contracts around the painful area to kind of keep it at a distance from the rest yeah so it doesn't spread yeah. And then around that contraction, there's layers and layers of more (laughs) physical tension and mental tension. And in some types of pain, this isn't, I think, true of all types of pain, but some types of chronic pain, they found that 70% of the pain that people experience is due to that, these layers of tension and contraction. Yeah, 70%. So that's kind of, you know, it's... Again, it's not real in the way we take it to be. Yeah, It's conditioned, dependent, made up of factors. And we can learn to some degree to release these layers of contraction yeah, with time. Yeah. Partly through this cultivation of helpful attitudes and ways of looking. So we need, to, we need to pay attention to our experience yeah, to see this. Yeah. We need to pay attention to our experience to see this and to taste it for ourselves. You know? yeah, maybe, possibly, it's great to hear about it. Maybe it's not. Maybe you're bored to death. But possibly it's great to hear about it, but it's not enough. <laughs> Yeah, so we need to actually see how does this come into play in my experience and see it directly for ourselves in small things. Yeah, we start with the small things. Yeah, we don't try and tackle the big things the chronic pain, the chronic um, mental pain, the, the big things. We start with the small things and we start to see it. What happens when I just change the relationship in any of the ways we've been practicing here? To kind of what happens when I change the way of looking 
that experience, even a little bit. Yeah. So we start to play with that. And then we start and we really pay attention to the joy and the freedom that comes when there's some degree of release. Even if it's just a little bit. Yeah, even if it's just a little bit. And then we keep repeating that. <laughs> yeah, it's like a lifetime's adventure. Yeah. To keep repeating that so our understanding deepens and the cultivation of the skillful ways of looking deepens more and more and more. So the ways of looking, you know, they change the experience in the moment and they also begin to reveal possibility for us. It's like they're revealing more and more of what is possible and what this human experience is. They reveal so much about dependent arising, (laughs) about interconnectedness, about the mutuality of our experience, that we're not separate in the way we take ourselves to be. And this leads to a real increase in our own happiness and well-being and to a real increase in the happiness and well-being of others. Yeah, a real increase. And so I'd like to end with a, a, a story that kind of illustrates this, uh, which comes from the, um, the spiritual teacher Ram Das. And um, I read the story a long time ago, and I've told it many times since, so it's probably not accurate anymore. (laughs) But anyway, so this is, I think, fairly on in his spiritual career, spiritual life. And uh, he's got a family dinner happening, which is... uh, you know, with his parents and his brother, and I think his brother's wife, and it's a pretty stressful thing for him. So he um, he takes some um, LSD or something that he's into um, before, and uh, this part ignore that. Okay, I'm going to delete it from the recording. <laughs> anyway, so he's he's there at the dinner table, and he's feeling, um, I think in his words, really groovy. Um, you know, so he's sitting there at the dinner table, the whole family's there, and they've got quite an intense family dynamic. And he begins to see the dynamic start to play out. Yeah. And so um, he's sitting across the table from his brother. And his brother is, um, you know, saying, says something to him. This is where my imagination, this is where the inaccuracy comes. Something like, you know, oh, you know, Ram Dass, you should really get a haircut. And so he's really seeing everything in images now, and he sees like an arrow shooting out from his brother's mouth and going across the table and kind of going towards him. And suddenly he's got options. Yeah, this is the cultivation. Yeah, he's got options. So... Normally, what would happen is that the arrow would hit and he would 
then shoot an arrow back. Yeah, that's the, that's the habit of the dynamics in the family. But what he does at this point is he, this is in his imagination, yeah? The arrow is coming in his imagination and he's plucking it out of the air. He's kind of picking it up in the air before it hits and he puts it down next to his knife. <laughs> and then he says something back to his brother and he says, oh yeah, by the way, you and your wife are looking really good together today. <laughs> and in his mind, he sees this heart kind of coming out of his mouth and going over into his brother's side of the table and kind of like bathing him in metta. Yeah? And it continues, you know, that thing. And, you know, he says by some point, you know, he's got a pile of arrows <laughs> next to his knife. But slowly the energy around the dinner table changes, yeah? And he says by the end of the evening, you know, his brother and his wife are kind of like holding hands and, you know, everyone's smiling and there's just a really nice warm atmosphere, yeah? Just through that, yeah? Not taking himself seriously and just taking those arrows and putting them to one side and choosing... Meta instead in this case, yeah. So we have that capacity, yeah. We have that capacity, and it's something we're really nourishing in our practice to not take things seriously and to have some choice about our response to life. So let's have a quiet moment together. So may our practice continue to nourish possibility. And may our practice contribute to the well-being and the happiness of all beings everywhere, including ourselves. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.